Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. I know usually we go into a time of greeting and loving on each other, but we ain't doing that right now, okay? Uh, we got a baby, we got some babies to dedicate to the Lord. And so I'm going to ask if all the families can come up. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you want to say what's up to your neighbor real quick and be like, give him like, hey, I see you. I see you seeing me. We in this together. I'm going to tell you guys right now, like, um, I want to, before we get into dedications as the families come up, I want to let you guys know that I want to apologize to each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. As your pastor, I want to say I'm sorry. This morning, when I woke up, I did the typical thing all pastors do when they wake up and there's a snowy day. Yeah, you guys can come up on stage and just line up behind me. I do the typical thing, right? And I text other pastors, are you having church today? Are you having church today? And I'm so sick of y'all because y'all would not let me not have church today. And thank you, Jesus. Because I, like, I got texts of like, we're having church today, right? And then I got another text from uh, my friend Josh here. He goes, Pioneer's not closing on account of a little bit of snow, right? Like, you must be out your mind if you think you're not giving hell of problems today. So thank you to all of you who didn't give me the decision because y'all were like, nah, hell needs to get punched today because the spirit needs to be set free. So thank you guys. I'll never ask another pastor again. I'm just going to ask y'all because y'all are the church anyway, so what am I going to do asking them? If you guys don't mind lining up right here, um, Scripture says, train up a child in his ways and he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. And so what are baby dedications? What are dedications, period? In the times when Jesus walked the earth and even before then, they would bring their child to the temple and they would dedicate them to the Lord. Uh, if you guys remember in 1 Samuel, even with Hannah, Hannah, who couldn't have a child, like when, as soon as Samuel was born, she dedicated him back to the Lord. So you're giving them back what the Lord gave you. And that's called stewardship as a parent. God, I'm going to give back to you what the gift you gave to me. And so what we're doing is we're dedicating these five. So, well, he's, you, you're on, no, you won't, you won't, you won't catch a byproduct wrestling. Don't worry. <laughs> So that's just a, a, a shout out to our children's ministry. So if you need a place to serve, you know. Um, so we want to dedicate them to the Lord and, and really just give them back to God and say, God, they belong to you. That from the moment that they are a child to the moment that they're adult, they, we give them back to you. And everything that they do be given back to you. So um, if you guys don't mind, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Stand up. Reach your hand out, stretch your hand out, and you're like, why am I stretching my hand out? It's not any hocus-pocus stuff, but the Bible says, since you guys can't physically put your hands on them, when you reach your hands out, you're just, you're just co-signing with me. Are you guys ready? In the name of Jesus, we just thank you for each and every one of these children, Lord God. And Lord God, we dedicate them to you right now, Lord God. We give them back to you, Lord God, believing in the name of Jesus that they're going to do amazing things for the kingdom, Lord God. Lord God, we believe and decree, Lord God, that everything that they set their mind to be for the kingdom growth, Lord God. For each family, Lord God. Lord God, I pray over each and every one of their parents, Lord, that they lead them in the ways that they should go, Lord God. 
Amen. That they may not do it perfectly, but they're going to do it wholly and strive for you. So, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for each and every parent. Lord God, strengthen them right now. Build the Holy Spirit in them, Lord. And so, Father, I just believe, Lord God, I just stand on those words today, Lord God, that we don't dedicate them in vain, but we dedicate them with purpose, with a plan, and with a future, Lord God. Lord God, that they will be, Lord God, worshipers of the Most High God, true worshipers, Lord God. Lord God, whatever field that you call them into, Lord God, that they would impact their field for the kingdom. So we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to introduce the families to you, if you guys don't mind, coming to the center. So this is the Fuller family. This is Jerry and Storm, and they're three kids. Aww. So the twins got dedicated today. I heard you've been dedicated, but you just got dedicated again. You just didn't know. Um, there are communications uh, people for our church, so anytime you have someone reaching out to you, this is the family that does it. So I want to show them to you guys so they, you know who to pray for, right? So anytime you see one of these little knuckleheads in love, I know Emmett Barry, I know their name, and Kai, I know their name, <laughs> Emmett Barry Kai. Um, anytime you see them running around the church, pray for them. Because if you guys haven't noticed, hell wants our children. They want our children. If they can get them from earlier, it just twists their mind. So pray for them. And so um, I just want to show you guys. And then we have the Pruitt family. Lila, Lila likes me a lot, okay? It's, she must know I'm a girl dad. So this is DJ, Brittany, Lila, Ezra. Amen. You good? Don't me mug me in front of everyone. <laughs> So um, Brittany helps lead our worship in this church. And so anytime you see her kids or remember her kids, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that God built a hedge of protection and fills them up with the Holy Spirit. And so we just love each and every one of you guys. Um, thank you guys for coming up here. And then we're going to get into this word. I love you guys. Thank you guys. Love your kids. As you guys see, our children's ministry is growing. So if you get a call out to be like, hey, you want to watch kids one Sunday? I bet you everyone in children's ministry would be like, I love you personally, especially my wife. All right. Are you guys ready for the word today? Of course y'all are ready for the word. Y'all came out in this snow. So, um, Father, show me. Direct me. Lord God, for everyone listening, under the sound of my voice, Lord God, I pray that you make their hearts fertile soil, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. We've been talking about replenish, and plenish means to fill up, stock, furnish. Re is the prefix, and plenish means to make full or complete again. To make full or complete again. Write this down. Every spirit-filled believer has purpose. Every spirit-filled believer has purpose. I gave a definition for purpose a couple weeks ago. I'm going to read it once. They may or may not throw it on the screen. And if you can get it, it's on YouTube recorded. So you can just go back and watch the first one and be like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. And so our purpose as believers is to demonstrate the presence and power of the Holy Spirit by our faith and work in our marketplace, workplace, field of study, community, etc., so that those around you may come under the influence of the presence of God by contact with the kingdom of heaven. All right. You guys got that on one try, right? Okay. I believe, and I, I know this to be true, God 
wants to replenish the fight within the church. I believe that so strongly, especially since we started this fast. God wants to replenish the fight within the church. Somewhere along the line, the church lost its fight. We lost our fight in us. And I don't mean physical fighting, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I mean that spiritual fight, that spiritual war that goes on. Somewhere along the line, we just became good enough with God is good, and I don't got to do nothing. I just got to be good. And that is a lie. Listen, I'm going to say some things today that I don't know what denomination you came from. You may or may not agree with it. But listen, I don't preach denominational preaching. I preach from this holy Bible, okay? So there's no battery in my back. It's just like, oh, you got it. No, no, no. I'm preaching what God gave me today. Amen? I don't come from a denomination where it's just like, I got to preach this because that's what they believe. I'm preaching what the Bible says. I want to tell you this. If you are not full of the Holy Spirit, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, don't get in the ring to fight. That's like going to a boxing match without your gloves on. Because you will get hit hard. And you'll be like, what the heck? I thought if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you are, going, you are unprepared for the fight. You're, you're not ready. What does it say in Acts? If you look at Acts 19.13, right? I'm going to read it to you. It says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. They didn't even have their own strength. It says, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Like, how are you going to go to the playground and try to fight the bully and be like, my brother's here. He's coming. He's on his way. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. It says, in the name of Jesus, they, it wasn't even a personal thing. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them to start the fight. But here they go, talking. You see, I, um, I, anyone else grew up in the hood? I grew up in the hood, okay? And you have to know some hood politics, okay? Hood politics is the person who talks the most is doing the least amount of fighting, all right? I'm going to be honest. I've seen it happen so many times. The person who, they do the least amount of fighting, the person you got to worry about is the person who's like a person behind them who's real quiet. And they got a little glimmer of crazy right here on their eye. And it's just like, that's the guy that's going to pop off first. And so said and so done. It's always the quietest person who comes out swinging. And the guy who's talking the most usually floats to the back. <laughs> Look it up. It's in every fight. And so what happens? They say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. They're borrowing strength that's not even theirs. It says the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know about. But who you? How wild is that? You see, some of us Christians, we want to go into spiritual warfare, but yet we have not made relationship with the Holy Spirit to know that he got our back. We want to fight. We want to like, oh, let's go. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not ready to fight. You could listen to as many podcasts, listen to as many worship songs, listen to as many sermons as you want. If you don't have a relationship with the true and living God living inside of you, you ain't going into the fight right. Yeah. 
you going in to take an L. And what happens is you go in and take an L, and then you get mad at God. Where were you? I went out here to fight this demon, and God is like, I, I, don't, I don't know you either. You have to go into fight with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. He says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? It says, then the man, one man who had the evil spirit jumped on all of them. Seven guys. This one guy took on seven guys and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out the house naked and bleeding. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. that they, Those guys walked in big and strong too, like, we got this one, we got this, we got this. Naked and bleeding. So I want to tell you today, I could not let the year go by. I could not let this fast go by. I couldn't let this month go by with teaching y'all how to fight. I'm going to teach y'all how to fight in the spiritual. And I know whenever you have heard spiritual warfare in the past, it came with all, it conjured up all these ideas and thoughts and mysticism and fear. And, and, and the thing is, like, I understand that. But I want you to understand that if you are going to be in the fight, the Holy Spirit need to, needs to be dwelling in you. Because once you said yes to Jesus, didn't mean the fight was over. It mean it just started. As long as you are on this earth, there is an enemy who's invisible who desires to have you. If he can get you between the moment you said yes to Jesus to the moment you lay to rest, he feels like it's a win. But I'm going to teach you how to fight. Anyone want to know how to fight today? All right. All four of y'all. The rest of y'all are like, mm. All right. Anyone want to know how to fight today? There we go. I got more. All right. All right. And the question may be, if Jesus already won, why do we have to fight? Jesus won the war. The war is already won. So you're not fighting for a win. You're fighting from the win. Imagine going to the fight and be like, I already won this. I know it's going to look ugly. I know it's going to be a little shaky, but I already got this win. So you fight with a different... See, y'all don't know. Like, Mike Tyson was a little crazy. Okay? I hate to use him, but he was a little crazy. He, used to, he said in an interview, he was like, whenever they would meet up in the center of the ring... He said, as soon as the other person blinked, I knew I won. How crazy is that? As soon, I mean, your eye just needed to be re-wet, and he's just like, I already won. Like, see, that's the kind of confidence y'all need to go into spiritual fighting with. It's like, as soon as hell hiccups, I, I already won. And you know, I don't even got to step in the ring, and I know I already won. See, you got, you got a different confidence when you know it's like, oh, God's got my back. I'm coming into this. Yes, it, you're going you're gonna to hit me. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to knock you out. So I'm going to teach you how to fight today. Jesus won the war. Jesus won the war. You're not fighting for a win. You're not competing for a win. You're competing with a win already. I'll tell you, there will always be opposition from the enemy. You will always have opposition. There are things... In the spiritual realm, you have to understand that the spiritual realm is not this make-believe, pretend place. Like, the spiritual realm is a very real place. It's a very, very real place. And I'm not, I'm not preaching this because I don't want y'all to be scared, okay? I don't want y'all to walk out of here scared. Like, you have Jesus, his personal presence, dwelling inside of you. So there's no reason to go into the fight scared. There's no reason to walk out of this building scared. If anything, I want you to walk out all bowed up with your shoulders up and be like, Satan, let's go. I can't see you, I can't touch you, but
but that's okay because I got the spirit in me. He's going to show me how to pray. He's going to show me how to fight. 1 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For our weapons are of our warfare of the, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So you don't wrestle flesh and blood. You wrestle principalities and powers of the dark world. That's what you wrestle against. That's what you're fighting against. Yes, there are some things that we do that we bring upon ourselves. That's our flesh. But there are some things that are working against you and you're like, I don't know why all this is going wrong. I don't understand it. And that is all of hell working against you, but you're not to fight in the flesh. See, some of us approach arguments with other people in the flesh, and you got to understand there's a spirit behind that. Some of us are so caught up in comment sections, going in deep theology in comment sections of, well, this is what the, and this is like, bro, stop wasting your time. You want to really impact them? Pull away from the computer, stop arguing with them for a minute, and just be like, God, I don't know what spirit they're coming with. But I believe in the name of Jesus, you're going to give them a spirit of peace. Some of you guys are arguing with family members. Well, I don't know why you just don't stop arguing. Don't waste your time. You want to impact them? Begin to pray for them. Bring it before God. God, I'm trying to fight this fight in the physical, but it's not working. Some of us are trying to fight our own addictions we've been struggling with for years. For years. Either looking at stuff online we're fighting our own flesh. We don't understand why it's like, well, I tried this, and I tried that, and it's not working, and I tried doing this, and I tried doing that, and it's not working. I keep on getting away from this, but somehow it keeps on entering into my life. You have to start to fight in the spiritual. You have to start fighting in the spiritual. You have to start praying over these things. Listen, your hands cannot touch the things that are going on around you, but God can. Our enemy, you have to understand that the enemy, he's not scared of good behavior. Okay? Satan doesn't, like, look at our good behavior and go, ooh. You want to know what he's terrified of? Holy living. The enemy loves Christians that live to be good. I think sometimes as, as believers, we've settled on, I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian. And what a divisive way to make people think of like, if I'm good enough, I'm going to go to heaven. But that's not what my Bible says. The Bible says it's a holy lifestyle. It's holy living. It's saying, God, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. And see, that's what bothers all of hell. It's not just good people. It's holy living. God, I'm choosing to be holy and set apart. I want to be holy. I don't, I don't want to live the way the world lives. I want to live a, the way according to your word. And, I, and listen, I'm not taking shots and being like, oh, a good person is. A, I'm just saying that if you want to shake things up in your life, if you want to, to um, your worship to echo in all of heaven, we have to transition from just a good Christian to holy lifestyle. And holy lifestyle is not easy. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Oh, you holy? I'm holy too. 
But as we can see, it's not, it's very difficult. But I want you guys to know and write these things down, and we're going to go over these things over the next couple weeks. I want to make you guys, listen, before you guys, if you guys are going into battle, and I don't know what it is, but I've, I've been with um, college students this week, and we just, we went after heaven, and we just shamed all of hell. And, and I've, I've sensed in my spirit, and I feel like the Holy Spirit was just talking to me of like, you got to prepare for, for like, there's a spiritual battle here and it's happening and it's coming and like I want to be prepared so there are three things I want you guys to write down what does a prayer warrior look like what does a holy living warrior look like because there's a fight and it's three things it's what you outfit it's what you wear it's your operation in what you do and it's the outcome of what you expect right just like every job has an outfit I mean some of y'all have an outfit have a uniform if my doctor showed up um, with a ripped t-shirt and shorts and sandals and smelling like patchouli, mm-mm, right? Like, go get your doctor coat on. Look like you came off of, like, house or something like that. Don't, don't walk in here. What's your operation? What you do, right? I just said that the weapons of our warfare are not physical. So how do, how do you fight something that you can't see, touch, taste, smell? You can't, you can't do it with your five senses. And then what's the outcome of it? So Ephesians 6.10, are you guys with me this morning? Are you, are you guys scared? Oh, good. Good. Y'all said that real strong. You shouldn't be scared. There's no reason to be scared. There's no reason. And I know some of you guys are like, this is, this is weird, Pastor. This is my first time hearing it. If this is your first time hearing it, I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry on behalf of all of, of Christians everywhere because this shouldn't be your first time hearing it. Let me read something to you. It's Ephesians 6.10. It talks about the armor of God. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. See, it says, it doesn't say if the day of evil comes, right? It's not an if, it's when. And whether it comes tomorrow, whether it comes a couple days, days of evil are coming. Look at our world around us. Look at the world around us. Evil is here. It's prevalent. It's trying to invade your life. It's trying to invade the church. It says, when the day of evil comes, I want you to know how to stand, not sit, not lay down. I want to show you how to stand because you can't fight sitting and you can't fight laying down. So I've got it. So in this scripture, he's telling the Ephesians, I want to show you how to, how to stand. And it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And it's just like, why is Paul giving like this warfare thing? Because when Paul was writing this, he was in prison. And so he's probably looking at soldiers every day and he goes, oh, we need, we need to outfit ourselves in the spiritual. We got to outfit ourselves because we got to be ready for the fight. So he's gaining inspiration as he's looking at the soldier. And he goes, there has to be the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And why is the belt of truth mentioned first? Because if you don't have your belt on, your pants fall down. If you don't have truth holding everything up, everything falls down. So you got to have truth first. Some, oh, well, you live your truth and I live my truth. 
it don't work like that. Because what if my truth says your truth is not true? Then what? Then we're just in a whole conundrum right now, huh? So he said, put the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Your enemy, the enemy, is shooting arrows all the time. And if you don't have any faith, you're just getting hit by every arrow. An arrow of doubt, arrow of depression, an arrow of anxiety, an arrow of fear, an arrow of poverty. He's just shooting arrows at you. And some of us don't have a shield of faith to defend ourselves, so we're just getting hit. And where do we get hit? We get hit in our mind all the time. Anyone have a good thought, a beautiful thought, and then like immediately after, it's followed up by this negative, deterring, horrible thought, right? That's your brain working against you. That's the enemy working against you saying, no, I won't let you be happy. Because in Philippians, it says, fix your mind on things that are beautiful, on things that are pure, on things that are godly. And I found in my own life, I'll have this beautiful thought of like my kids serving, and then this horrible thought will try to push its way in. And sometimes you got to, it says, take captive of that thought and speak to that thought. You got to take it. If you have a negative, horrible thought, you have to say, no, in the name of Jesus, I won't allow that thought to linger here. I am made in the image of God. He says all the promises that he has for me are yea and amen, and they're for my good and not to harm me. And so you have to begin to have some faith, your shield of faith. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What's the sword of the spirit, your Bible? Right? This is my Bible, but it's not my Bible. Okay, some of you guys know this. I sent my Bible off to get re, um, rebound. So this is like this is like a little dagger I got, you know what I mean? A little, little, little shank in the spiritual. <laughs> Give these demons a little spiritual shake, like, yeah, yeah. You thought you had me, but no. And the, here's the problem is that some of us, we're like, oh, I don't need my Bible. But then you're not ready for a fight. You're not ready for a fight. I have like, some of us have five Bibles, and they're all dusty. If you're going to fight, are you going to let your sword get dusty? You going to let it get dull? I don't want to go to that fight. Just go pick up your word and start meditating on it. The Bible only sharpens when you meditate with it. It's already sharp. But it only sharpens with you when you meditate on it, when you pick it up and you take this word and you put it deep inside your heart. Why do, why do pastors, why do church always say, meditate on your word, meditate on your word, meditate on your word? Because those are the only things that when arrows are flying your way, you can be like, nope. My Bible says that I'm above and not beneath. Boom. Even if you fell yesterday, nope. My Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Oh, how dare you? You, how, you? you struggled with wickedness. Nope. My Bible says that he's forgiven my past and he's choose as far as the east is from the west. He remembers my sins no longer. Boom. Well, you, well, you did something. Nope. Some of y'all need to just get that like bold, snotty kid in you that say, no. Like my kid, No. My Bible says, 
that I'm being transformed into the image of God. And it's not one night, it's day by day. So I know I struggled with that yesterday, but today is a new day, and so is his mercy. Some of y'all just need to start talking. Like, there are times when I'm walking downtown, and people probably think I'm crazy, because I just be praying out loud. You know, and because, like, if, if the enemy can steal your thoughts, he can steal your attitude. If he can steal your attitude, he can steal your habits. If he can steal your habits, he can steal your direction. And I am not letting him have one thing. And some of y'all are going to learn today, he may have taken a couple things, but we're going to get him back. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. And it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Don't put on the armor and not pray. Prayer is your battle cry. You ever <laughs> imagine, I don't want to go to war with a weak battle cry. No, I want to go on a war and be like, devil, with that, you know, put that bass in your voice, De devil. <laughs> some, some of y'all need to practice in your, in your house or practice in church. Some of y'all like, devil? No, you got, devil, you best not come for my wife. You best not come for my husband. I'll give you two black eyes. We're going <laughs> to, see, y'all can't be scared. Say, I'm not scared of the enemy. I'm not scared of him. Because in this fast and through life, I've learned to fight. I've learned to fight. I've learned to just be like, I'm not, why am I going to be scared of a loser? Ain't no one scared of losers. I'm not scared of him. Will he try and touch my stuff? Yes. Will he try and touch things around me? Yes. But I know he lost already. It's like you can touch anything you want on this earth. But you, baby, wait till Jesus come back. You can't touch nothing. Get your hands off me. You ever do? Get your hands off. You can't touch me. First Corinthians. This is our operation. First Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Talks about your spiritual gifts. We're going to have, next week, we're going to have Dr. Johnson speak on spiritual gifts. So if y'all, if there's any week y'all need to show up, next week y'all need to show up. Because Dr. Johnson is something real. Right? He's my mentor. He's, he's, he's like my Yoda. You know what I mean? He is my Yoda. And so, like, oh man, y'all better show up next week. It says, now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the gifts that you are given from God are not for you. They're given for the common good. They're given for the building and the edification of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? We are the kingdom. We are the church. So the gifts that God gives you, see, and this is how I know. See, God gives gifts, and he's like, I, I want you to use that for the church. And sometimes what we do is that we start feeling ourselves, right? And we take it and we try to use those gifts outside the church and then wonder why we're not successful. It wasn't for you. It wasn't for you to make money off of. 
It wasn't you to build influence off of. It was for you to build your brother and sister in Christ in the church. Amen? That's what, like, that's what I tell people. Like, people are like, oh, could you come and do a speech on this? I'm like, I'm a terrible motiv- mo- motivational speaker. Because I'd be like, um, do it. If you, whatever you got, do it. But when I got this word in my hand and the Holy Spirit fills me, I'm like, let's take hell down today. It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit of message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing by that Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretations of tongues. And all the works are one of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So we have outfit, right? All of us are coming to this war with an outfit, but we also have our operations. Imagine if we, if going to war, if we all just had swords. Yeah! And it's like, I would be like, ain't no one got a bow and arrow or something? Ain't no one got a javelin? So just like we're fighting in the spiritual, everyone's got different gifts, right? So yours may be encouragement. Yours may be a word of wisdom. Yours may be discernment, but we are to share it for the building of the kingdom and the tearing down of hell. It is not for you and you alone. Some of you guys haven't even tapped into your spiritual gift, and you don't know that you're holding back what the God wants to do through you for the kingdom. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little shy. Don't be a little nervous. Don't be a little shy. Get around people. Talk to some of the leaders in the church. How do I find out what my spiritual gifts are? let, Let me pray over you because we want you to operate in your gifts. We want you to build the kingdom. I don't care. I'm not here so that Pioneer Church gets big. I'm here so that when we go to heaven, heaven is big. Right? The person who is dealing with demons and struggling is now in heaven. I'm not worried about the church growth. I'm worried about kingdom growth. I want you guys to be mature believers. That's the whole point of coming every Sunday, is that we don't stay in the place of just drinking milk all the time, but we learn how to mature and eat meat and see these things for the maturity of the kingdom. There are certain churches that just want to give people milk all the time. That's why you have these overgrown spiritual Christian babies. Y'all, son, listen, I'm not... Jesus. I'm going to talk about it. Some of y'all just want to, like, some church. (laughs) Like, some of them just want to be, like, they just want to be fed milk all the time. Like, they just want to, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, do deep things. I just want to live surface level. You want to live surface? Good. The surface belongs to the devil. Live surface. And then wonder why these same generational curses are still going on in your family. No, God, he says, I called you to mature. I want you to mature. I want you to understand these deep spiritual things so that you may know how to fight. I want you to grow up. I'm always wanting milk. Pastor, that made me uncomfortable. Good. That means I'm doing my job. Okay? My job is to make you just a little uncomfortable so that you go home and you start being like, why don't I read my Bible? Why don't I pray? God wants mature Christians. Imagine if we just had a church of immature Christians everywhere. People will leave. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
All right. So we have outfit. We have operation. Outfit is what you wear. Spoke about the spiritual armor. We have operation is what you do. And we have outcome, what to expect. And that's found in Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Are you guys with me? Amen. Good. Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So we have our outfit, our operation, and our outcome. When you are operating with the, with the um, armor of God on you, when you have your outfit of the armor of God, when you're operating in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, your outcome is bearing fruit. You bear all those fruit. And it's not just one, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm walking by the Spirit, and, you know, I didn't flip someone off, so I'm walking in peace. No. It's like, that's what you do all the time. You start to move like God moved. There's compassion. There's love. There's understanding. There's all these things going on. You are a whole fruit cocktail. It's like where there's peace needed, you give peace. Where there's joy needed, you give joy. Where there's love needed, you give love. Where there's and so you're just constantly pouring out. That is the outcome. Imagine if we got into our jobs and we had our outfit, operation, and outcome. This is our thing as spiritual warriors. This is what we run by. This is the outcome. How do I know when someone is walking by the Spirit? Because when someone treats them wickedly, they're not even moved. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, sister. I didn't. You know what? Can I pray for you? I see you're struggling. We, listen, if y'all would know who's truly operating by the Spirit, by how hard it is to offend someone. I'm from New York. I have people curse me out crossing the street. And I've just been like, I love you. I love you. I've had people slander my name. I've had people come for my job. I've had people tell all these negative things about me. And I've just been like, may the Lord God's peace shine upon you. And may his love just envelope. And they just look at you all salty. Mm -hmm. Why can't I get you angry? You can't get me angry because you don't control me. I walk by the Spirit. And I don't wrestle flesh and blood. That's what the scriptures say. Spirits are real, okay? I wanna, I want, you want to know how I know they're real? What's another title for alcohol? It's another name for it. Now, I'm not saying alcohol is bad. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, my pastor said, oh, alcohol. That's not what I'm saying. But when it becomes the mechanism in which you cope with all the time, that spirit has now become God to you. Okay? There is power in your voice. There is power in your voice. If it were not true, the enemy wouldn't be so poised after your worship. See, if the enemy can rob your worship, he can rob you. He wants to come after your voice. The, the most beautiful thing that God gave you isn't on the outside, but it w it's what comes out of you. What does John 10.10 10 say? It says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to return, give life, and build. 
And it's by the power of your voice. See, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your voice because if he can destroy your voice, he can take your power. And God is like, I've given you this spirit so that when you speak, life begins to happen. That's why when you pray, when you worship, you got to pray and worship with such a fiery attitude because it's like you can't have my voice because it belongs to the spirit. And when I speak things in authority and in, in, in the spirit and in the will of God, I am tearing down strongholds. He wants you to get to doubt God. He want, who, who in here is a parent or a grandparent, Right? Y'all know your grandbaby's voices. You'll know your children's voice. And if you as a parent on this earth know your, the voice of your child or your grandchild, how much more does God know your voice when you're calling out for help? God, help me. In the name of Jesus, help me. And I think God in heaven goes, oh, ho, ho. All the angels are singing. God goes, shh. My kid's calling me right now. How do you know? I know my child's voice. But God, there's like billions of people. I know my child's voice. How do you? I created it. Before they even born, I put the structure of their voice together. I know my child's voice. See, if the enemy can get you to doubt that, doubt that your father loves you, that he can hear you, and you're letting him win the fight. What is, if you look at Matthew 16, 18 to 20, this is what Jesus tells Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he says this. And some of us only think this is for Peter. But it's not for Peter. Because the same spirit Peter has also dwells in us. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind and whatever you loose. And in Proverbs 13 it says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. In Matthew 15.18, But that comes out of your mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. So it's not what you put in you, it's what comes out of you. What comes out of you when you are pressured? What comes out of you when you're, when you're hemmed up on every side? What comes out of you when you're stressed out? That is important to God. I want to tell you today that you believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, that everything that comes out of your mouth from the, from the unction of the Holy Spirit, just like Peter had the authority to bind and loose things on heaven and earth, so do you. That same power is in you. You have the same power to bind all of hell and the demonic forces and loose whatever the Spirit has in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's power in your voice. And turn to your other neighbor and say, there's power in your voice too. Why are both important? Because whatever is pulled out, whatever you bind, whatever you bind in the spiritual, right? Whatever you bind in the spiritual. So I'm going to show you guys what, what this, because this is, I'm going to show you how some fighting prayers. Some of y'all, like, if you struggle with lust, you have to say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you lust in the name of Jesus, and I let loose purity in the name of Jesus. See, whatever you bind, 
you also have to let loose something from the heavenlies. Because if you just pull something out and don't put something back in, uh, the enemy can fill it with something else. Right? We know this. We know this. It says in Matthew 12, it says, Jesus speaking, he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes to the arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. And then it goes out and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And that is how it will be with this wicked generation. When you speak, when you pray prayers like that, you say, you have to, like Jesus, I mean, the same spirit that was in Jesus is in us. Jesus bind and rebuked spirits. He says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. How do I know this? When the spirit came running up to Jesus, he said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then what did he do right after? He spoke life into that person. He rebuked the demons and spoke life. You see, some of us, we just rebuke demons, but we don't speak life. I rebuke this demon. I bind this demon in the name of Jesus. And Amen. But are you speaking life into it? Are you speaking life? Are you filling it with the Holy Spirit? I want you guys to walk away that when you do battle, you must equip yourself with faith and work. Faith that you have binded, renounced, and rebuked, and it's gone, right? Amen. If you have faith and you say, I bind this spirit in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. But the work comes in that says, you know what? I, in faith, I binded and rebuked it and I renounced it in the name of Jesus. But my faith says I also have to work. So if I'm an alcoholic, I bind the spirit of alcoholism in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the generational curse of alcoholism in the name of Jesus. But I'm going to work and get all of the temptation out of my house. Some of us just want to bind and cast out spirits. And I say, amen, do that. Do it in the spiritual. But in the earthly realm, you must also do the work to say, but I'm not going to tempt myself. Okay? Some of us need to bind and rebuke the spirit of lust, which includes pornography and every wicked thing in the name of Jesus. But we also must let loose the spirit of purity. But then it takes words that says, I'm going to put blockers on my phone. I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to speak to someone and we're going to get through this. I, they're gone. I believe that they're gone in the name of Jesus. But I got to do the work to keep that door closed. I stopped using the term the devil's advocate a long time ago because he doesn't need any more. Like, do not give the enemy a toehold or a foothold. Anyone ever feed like, <laughs> I, know, I know my mother-in-law does. Anyone ever feed like random stray cats or dogs? Because <laughs> you're a humanitarian and you're like, Aww, and they keep on coming back. See, some of you guys treat sin and treat these strongholds like little stray cats. Just give it a little food. It goes away. Oh, it went away. Just give it a little food. I'm just going to feed it a little bit. It'll go away. And then all of a sudden, you realize that the cat that you've been feeding has become a lion in your household. How did this become a lion? You kept feeding it. You kept feeding it. 
What does the scripture say about the devil? He says he's a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. So yes, you may be fasting right now, and you're like, I'm fasting, and you're spiritually strong, but don't feed the cat anymore. Stop feeding your sin. Close the door. Open your window. You got to go somewhere else. Stop feeding it because that cat will quickly become a lion, and it desires to have you. The enemy wants to sift you. See, some of us who've been struggling with these things for a very long time, and I don't say this because I'm arrogant. I say this because I've struggled with pornography for a very long time. That is my testimony. That's what I struggled with. And at a point, I had to come to a point in my life where I was like, I rebuke, I renounce, I bind, I cover myself in purity, I pray the spirit of holiness on me, and I'm going to cut off everything that leads to it. I'm not even going to give it a toehold. I'm going to cut it off. Some of y'all need to know this is like, well, but I really like it. Cut it off. What does scripture say? It says you'd rather go into heaven with a missing arm than to have your whole body thrown in hell. And I'm not saying to cut your arm off in the physical. Okay, that's wild. Do not do that. But if it causes you to sin, cut it off. I don't care if it's your favorite show. I don't care if it's your favorite activity. You do it for as long as you want, and you, your whole body will end up in hell. How did I end up here? God is like, why didn't you? I'd rather walk into heaven maimed than to have my whole body thrown in hell. I've had to cut off certain things. I've had to put things in place in my life because I will not give hell a foothold. There's too much on you. There's too much on me. The Holy Spirit's in me. God's purpose is on you. There's too much on you to give Satan just a little bit of gift. So if you got to cut it off, cut it off. See, anytime you bind, renounce, and rebuke, you, almost, you also must, and I want you guys to write this down, bind, renounce, rebuke, but you also must loose, release, and reclaim. Thank you. Anytime you bind, renounce, and rebuke, you must also loose, release, and reclaim. Right? What does that sound? God, you gotta, I'm teaching y'all how to pray. God, I know this person has taken my joy, has taken my peace. So I rebuke this, this devil of anger in the name of Jesus. I rebuke this torment in the name of Jesus. And I let loose joy. I let loose peace. And I reclaim my peace in the name of Jesus. Because what does the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. And so some of y'all need to learn how to start taking stuff back. You know how many times in my house where I've been stressed out and I've been just so frustrated and I have to be like, devil, you ain't taking my joy. Like, almost like he's in the room, like, shut up. Shut up. You can't have my joy. This is mine. It's in the depth of me. The Holy Spirit gave it to me and you can't have it. Give me it back. Y'all need to get just, mm. There's some things in your life right now that your family's waiting for you to take back. And that your legacy is depending on you to keep. Your kids are in the balance. Your kids are in the fight. And some of y'all are like, I ain't even looking to have kids. Maybe one day you will. Maybe one day you won't. But you got to take it back for your family. This week I got to lead some students in a, in a prayer. And this is why I believe hell is after me. Um... I led them in a prayer. I'm going to lead you guys in the same prayer where we just rebuked generational curses. 
we just rebuke generational curses, but we also let loose generational blessings. That's why I believe hell is after me. Just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean the fight was over. It intensified. It intensified. Saying yes to Jesus was just the beginning. Living the holy lifestyle was everything else. I want to teach you guys some fighting prayers. DJ, if you don't mind coming up and playing, and if you guys don't mind standing, I'm going to take you all through the same prayer because y'all need to learn how to fight. I want to teach y'all how to fight. We have too many Christians who are rolling over and showing their bellies, and God is like, I didn't make you that way. I've made you an overcomer. I want you to repeat after me, because as you pray, you're going to build on this. This is building blocks. As you pray, you're going to build on this, but I'm gonna, we're going to start today. And if things get hard after this, don't let the devil steal your joy. So every arm raised, every arm raised, repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke, I bind, I renounce any generational curse over my family. And I let loose every generational blessing over my family. And it's in the name of Jesus that I choose you. Keep me, hold me, and strengthen me for the fight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. Some of y'all like, do I say everyone said? Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.